Hi, everybody. You're going to love this show today. Welcome to Extreme Passport. We are going to Tanzania today, and we're going to talk with a good friend of mine named John Tatekopolo, and he is a tour operating manager director of Amanda's Adventures in Tanzania. John, good day to you, sir. And Howard. Okay, I am fine, sir. I'm so excited about the Extreme Passport podcast. I appreciate that. So tell me a little bit about yourself, John. Okay, thank you. My name is John, the owner and the managing director of Amandos Adventure Travel Company Limited. I am from Tanzania. So we are two operators, basically. We do mountain Kilimanjaro trekking, wildlife safaris, and Zanzibar beach holidays, plus day trips and culture tours. Thank you. So John, tell me, tell me what it's like then to stand on Kilimanjaro, looking on the rest of the world from, from the rooftop of Africa. What does that feel like for my listeners that are listening to this? Can you just describe it to them? Just how magical. I know what it is. You, you know what it is. Can you tell me from your own words, what is it truthfully like to stand on the rooftop of Africa? First, I would like to say Kilimanjaro by its name, it's a, it's a metaphor. That means the beauty of East Africa. So Kilimanjaro, it's the most accessible high summit, a beacon that is all over around the world. So most of the climbers really like to summit. That means to reach to the top. So you can walk by stick, proper clothing, if you like, if your determined like to reach to the summit, and those who reach to Uhuru, that's Uhuru point, that's the summit, they deserve to get a certificate. That's the honor, like you've reached to the top of mountain. Right. Well, just, just like climbing Mount Everest, I mean, it's a big thing to do, it's sort of bucket list in your life. If you're going to do some things, Mount Kilimanjaro is one of those things to add to your list of accomplishments. For me, it was. Yeah. Yes, come again. So, so climbing, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro is sort of like, you know, it's, it's like an achievement of a lifetime. It's like getting a degree in personal development and personal wealth to climb to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. It's an achievement. Yeah, it's, it's not a must for somebody like to say I want to climb the Mount Kilimanjaro it's it's like you you need to be physically fit that's the most important thing right yeah if you're physically fit and you are ready mentally yeah you can climb the Mount Kilimanjaro it's it's easy but it needs time to to acclimatize for some days then the rest of the days will be okay climbing the Mount Kilimanjaro to the top what's it like growing up in Tanzania for you like when you were a kid what was it like Come again? Like when you were growing up as a kid, what was yes. it like for you to grow up in Tanzania? Yeah, it's Tanzania, it's it's blessed, first of all, since we have a lot of national parks, game reserves, which are visited by a large number of people from all over the world. So we have all kinds of animals. So it's 
it's like we are lucky here in Tanzania. That's why I'm happy to be born and raised in Tanzania. Which, which animal is your favorite, Jock? My, <laughs> I don't have a favorite animal. I always like the big five animals. That's elephant, lion, and, and the rest. Yeah, that's those animals I like most. Yeah, elephants always been my favorite animal in the world. One, because they don't forget anything. They're one of the smartest animals in the world, and but most social and most caring uh, of each other. Um, I know that an elephant, when an elephant and uh, in, in the pride will uh, pass, that the other elephants will spend as much as a week uh, in mourning that, that elephant and not leave, uh, even a great... Uh, great danger to their own cells to get to water and, and stay alive because of the, 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 the remorse that they have for losing uh, one of their pride. That's why I appreciate the elephants so much in uh, their heart and their care that we truthfully don't appreciate in animals uh, and their, their devotion to each other uh, as human beings uh, are, are that way as well. Um, so what's some of the funniest things you've ever seen happen on a tour in Tanzania? Remember, so anything is like really funny that ever happened, like, or, or something that like didn't go as you expected in starting your business? Is there something funny that happened or something that didn't go well that you're like, wow, can't believe that happened? Okay, something funny, I think when I started my company, mm -hmm. the first client like, like she was from China so she didn't believe the services she acquired by that time you know, because I was a startup company and I told her I'm a startup company right so right. she yeah she didn't believe the service she acquired yeah she was so excited about it. okay I'm okay I'm all right I'll send you more customers yeah that's the most funny thing even myself, I didn't believe my abilities. Like, can I do this? No, let me try. So I go for it, and everything was okay by that time. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of things with people with business, a lot of people like they get go to school, they, they get out of school, and they get a job. But a lot of people have this fear that they're not capable of running their own business. To run your own yes. business, it takes a lot of determination, it takes a lot of guts. It takes, um, you know, the belief in yourself, self-esteem, and and uh, a regimen. You know, being able to be uh, dedicated and to be, um, you know, resolute in, in actually doing it. You have to be responsible to be a business owner uh, yes. and self-dependent. You, you got to get up and you got to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. And you have to create the business, so you have to wear many hats. I've learned this in many businesses and many business uh, practices that I have. How many hats as a business owner that you have to wear versus just going to work and working for someone is, uh, I'm not going to say all jobs are easy when you work for someone else, but it's a lot easier than being a business owner because it's like giving birth to a child. You have to baby sit it, you got to change its diaper, you got to feed it, you got to water it, you got to bathe it, you got to do everything when you own a business uh, <laughs> yes. and, and take care of it just like a child. Yes. It's a true love to open up your own business. It's scary, yes. but so is having children too. 
<laughs> Trust me, I've got a few of my own. Um, so, um, what is so? What are things? That, tell me something you're passionate about. What what drives you, John, and, and your business and being a tour operator uh, for one of the world's best entertainment uh, theaters, Africa, the Serengeti, Zanzibar, Kilimanjaro. I mean, the theater doesn't get any better. But what 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 makes you passionate about it? You know, first of all, when I was opening my company, that's my first passion when I was opening my company, like I want to get money. That was my first passion by that time. But when I, I continue growing with my company, I said, you know, money is not a problem for people or for clients. What I'm supposed to do is the best service to be on time, also to to be responsible with my company, like to serve correctly and so on. So when I I'm go when I continue with my company, that's my passion. My most passion now is to serve people, also to to, to tell the world the beauty of Tanzania as a true operator. That's the most important passion I have now. So um, if you were able to go back and tell your younger self something, what would that be that you would go back and that you wish you knew then what you know now? What would you tell yourself if you went back 10 years? Uh, maybe I could say I am late. I am late opening my own company. That was my dream since I was young. but. It's hard to open a company, so you need to be responsible. You need to cut off friends and so on. So it was really tough to open a company. But my ambition, since I was young, I said I want to open my own company. That was my ambition. But I didn't know which company, whether it's an IT company, whether it's operating to operate a company, but it's just a company. That was my dream. So the thing I regret, I am late doing my stuff, like in my company. My company is a little bit bad, so I am passionate myself, like to, to, to work hard, to work day and night, to make things clear. And I hope the next coming years, my company will be great and will be saving more customers. So within uh, everything that you do, you know, what is it that uh, you could tell, uh, you know, other like travelers, what should they be curious about and doing a tour with you? What, what would be the, you know, a couple of the best things that you could show them in your tours? Okay, first of all, Amanda's Adventures is locally and owned and operated in Kilimanjaro, Tanzania. So we have built a unique reputation by organizing Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Mel with the safari, Zanzibar Beach all day. So the most curious thing is we have guides, guide safari guides and mountain guides who speaks fluent English, Spanish, French, Russian and German. So that's the most important thing for a startup company to have guides who speaks all those languages. That's that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. So always clients who 
who came by that time, they were happy to see the local guides speak their own languages. So that's the most important thing that we are in common, like people happy what they say, our guides can hear them correctly and reply to them. So I, w I would like to say I'm welcoming all the guys all over the world to come to Tanzania, to see the beauty of Tanzania, to see the landscape, the mountains, safari, the holidays th through the company Amadus Adventures, Company Limited Travel. Uh, tell me a, bit, a little bit about Zanzibar. You do tours to Zanzibar. The ocean and the beach and the blue waters of the Indian Ocean just look amazing. Tell me a little bit about a, a day trip or a four-day trip to Zanzibar. What's that like? Okay. Zanzibar, first of all, it's an island from Tanzania, mm -hmm. the origin of Zanzibar. So it's a combination of Tanzania. If we say Tanzania in a long form, Tanzania, the, the last those last words means Zanzibar. Tanzania means Zanzibar. Those are last words. Tans means Tanzania, and Zania means Zanzibar. So in Zanzibar, there are a lot of things to do. Like you have Spice Iceland. It means it's, it's an Iceland occupied by a lot of spice, Chinese spice, French spice, all over the spice. The spice all over the world, they are found into that Iceland. That's what you can do. People like to observe. Like I am from China and the spice from China are found in Tanzania. That's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing is Safari Blue. It's, it's, a, it's an Iceland whereby the water is blue. The water is blue just by its color. So I've never experienced because I've never get inside of that. But when it's blue, the water is blue. Right. So that's an amazing thing to do also in Zanzibar. So for people who likes to swim, they can do it, whether it's a day trip or a long safari, like three days, four days safari, it depends on the client. Also, we have Iceland called Mnemba. Mnemba means it's it's a cultural word, which means like we are welcoming people to come together. So it's an Iceland. All those are Icelands, the small Icelands which are within the Zanzibar. Also, we have Plyzon, Prison Iceland. It's it's Iceland whereby from late, late, late years, like the prisons were held there during the slave trade. So Zanzibar, it's, it's a country whereby the slave trade passed through that area. Also, we have Stone Town Tour. It's a tour, it's a local tour, like for people who come from abroad, they can go there, experience the cultural songs and whatever. So that's a, those are most important things to do in Zanzibar at most. So like on the tours, do the, uh, do the guys, like the mountain guys and, and the tour guys, do, do they sing a lot? Like I know they, like my tour guys, I, I, I went out to the Maasai Mara and I had a Maasai with me and they would sing at night, like when they were, like we were, eating dinner and that, they were singing. It was like so interesting to me, the music and the, the, uh, the songs that they were singing. I didn't understand a lot of it because it was in Swahili, but you know, they, they were like telling stories and you know, doing these uh, doing these songs. Did they sing as the, the, the mountain guys sing as they're going up the mountains? I, I remember that yeah. going to uh, uh, Jane Goodall's uh, camp 
uh, Dr. Leaky Kip in the study of the, the chimpanzees, and I think it's how do you pronounce Gombe, uh, G O B E, Gombe Kip, and then Diane Fossey yes, uh, in, uh, in Rwanda, uh, and the, and the gorillas, uh, gorilla camps. And I did those tours uh, to visit both those camps uh, as I was a uh, grew up watching National Geographic and uh, seeing their, uh, their, their their work and their studies of primates, which I found to be curiously interesting. And uh, the opportunity when it came to be able to go there and actually see it uh, in, in person was just amazing. Uh, an experience that was uh, probably one of the best things I'd ever done. So, so the, yeah. Zazba, yes. No, yeah, people they can sing, dance, yeah, that's the culture. Tanzanian culture means people always welcoming guests by singing and dancing. That's how we always do. Yeah, I know that. It's gonna be, that was one of the one, one things I thought was really great. Um, there was always music everywhere. Uh, in between my trips in between Kenya, Tanzania, Ethiopia, and the music along the coastline. There just always seems to be music everywhere you go, no matter what. There's some music going on somewhere during the day. Um, versus different countries, like I go to Bangkok, and it's quiet. You don't, you don't hear that kind of music. So it, it, it's uh, incredibly different. The um, like, tell me, talk to me about the food in Tanzania. Like, what what can I expect to eat there? Uh, like on, on one of your tours to Kilimanjaro or to Serengeti. What would breakfast be like? A lunch be like? What would it be like? What would you serve? Oh, thank you. So for for that, we always ask the customers. So if you are vegetarian or not, so we serve according to to your wishes, like your expectation. Like I like to eat meat. I like to eat meat, whether it's vegetables or whatever. So we always ask the client, so we always serve according to the client wishes. So it's, it's really difficult now to say, like we serve the nice food or the nice lunch, no? Like we serve according to the clients and according to the itinerary we, we, we have. Well, what, would it the most important. what would a dish be that you would serve at, uh, like for lunch? Like a, would it be a sandwich, is it a stew? You know, what kind of dish would you serve at lunch? A salad? Yeah, we always, yeah if, if, if you are vegetarian, we can say we can send maybe sandwich with vegetables inside because you are vegetarian. Also, if you if not, you can eat sometimes rice with meat stew. So it depends with the client's wish. That's how we always do. But we always save the best food since the customer satisfaction is our priority in our company. Well, that, that sounds interesting. I mean, the one thing is, it's always great about when somebody wants something, like food's always the most important when anybody's going anywhere. But uh, I'm sure you guys, you know, put together uh, some really great food. Um, you know, uh, within um, everything that's there, so like, you know, with the tour with you, there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and then you have a, you know, a cook that uh, puts all the food together and everything. With, when, with, you know, with the tour that goes out there, there's a, you know, it's a chef on hand along with the guide and then they prepare the food uh, on your tours. Yeah, for example, let me take example of, of safari. So we have a safari guide who is a driver. 
that's how we always do during safari. A safari guide must be a driver. So also, if it's a camping, we must, you must, the, the, the cook, the cooker must be included into that package. So we have safari guide plus the cooker plus the clients. That's for camping. If it's if it's a tented camping, that means everything. We are not supposed to do it. Like everything we will find during the safari. Also, that goes on to the lodges. So it means if you, you give veterinary, that means that the lodges will prepare the food. Uh, if it's trekking, the cooker must be included. The cooker plus safari guide plus potters with the clients. So always chef for us is an important person because <laughs> the person who is who is in, who must be included in every safari. If it's Zanzibar, if in case it's a private, some people want their own cooker. Yeah, we can provide for them. If it's a safari, they want maybe five or three or two cookers. It's possible. Everything is possible. Sure. It depends on the client. It depends on the client. What so do you offer? I know I was in Masai Mara and uh, I took a, a hot air balloon safaris. Do you do those? Yes. The hot yeah, air I balloon know. safaris? Because that's probably like the most amazing way to uh, see the migration. That's what I thought I would do, see the migration. Uh, I did it from hot air balloon. And uh, I think it was in Sabo, one in Sabo and then one in Masai Mara. Uh, it was just amazing. Tell me a little bit about a hot air balloon so far okay for us okay the the, the hot balloon for, for us we have in serengeti that's the most important thing in serengeti it's 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 done continuously but in tarangile it's it's not much more but what i can say the hot air balloon the packages we have for eight air balloon it's three days that's the minimum also maximum, which depends with the client. So for hot air balloon, it's, it's the most important thing. Also, it's always approximately done for two hours because you can't be in the air for more than two hours. You'll be bored, you'll be get bored. So for us in Serengeti, it's approximately conducted for two hours. Yeah, that's a hot air balloon for normal 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 but if it's a private if someone likes more than that that means you have to add the package for it what's a but, price range <laughs> yes what's a price range like like how much one price would, range yeah what, what would somebody expect you know sort of roundabout price you know what area would you be talking to do a three four day uh hot air balloon trek Okay, for for Serengeti, like okay. three days hot air balloon per day, it's two hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty dollars per day. That's a minimum. And that's, that's a minimum. So that's the camp out and all that too. So you're like in tents and you go to a different place. So do they carry the camp with the hot air balloons as you go? You're taking it, or do they drive the? Do they do, you know follow you in vehicles with the gear? So is it totally hot air balloon, or or do you have a caravan of vehicles that go with you? No, we have the safari vehicles. So okay. you must go with a safari vehicle. 
So after reaching Serengeti, you take the hot air balloon for two hours. You do game drive with the hot air balloon. So two hours, after finishing those two hours, you go back to your safari car. You do full game drive with a safari car now. Okay. That's a combination. Okay. If you do hot air balloon plus safari car, four by four, you do also full game drive. So it's not only hot air balloon. Oh, okay. So that's a mission. I understand a little bit better. I just wanted my listeners to be able to understand what it's like um, to do that. I, I, I mean, I've done it, but I just wanted to make sure that they could sort of visualize it because, you know, they, they would say, well, am I in a hot air balloon for three days? What do you do? How do you do that? I mean, sometimes it can no, you know, be a little, you know, confusing for people when they're listening. Um, yeah. Something. So that, that's why I asked you that. So, like, out of the lodges that they might stay at, what's the most famous lodge? Like, you know, the most luxury, the most amazing lodge uh, out of the ones that you, um, like if someone came to book a tour with you, what would be the best lodge where you see animals and the accommodations are just over the top? What, what lodge would you think of? Okay, the, 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 the luxurious lodges? Uh-huh. Okay, the luxurious lodges we have in Serengeti and, and in Gorongoro, that's the, the most luxurious lodges. Uh-huh. So we, has, we have Four Season, it's called the Four Season Hotel, which is found in Serengeti, that's the most important. So approximately per day, somebody can pay around $800 up to, up to 1200 bucks a day. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are the most. What, what do they get for that? Luxurious luxurious. Luxurious. Does, does that come complete with a hippo, you know, a hippo massaging your feet? What do you get for twelve hundred dollars a night in, in the middle of Africa? You get everything. You get breakfast, jacuzzi, spa, everything, hot water, Wi-Fi, everything you get. So you treat it like royalty, pretty much. It's pretty luxurious, and I mean, I guess the beds are yeah. pretty good. It's not just a cot and dirt for twelve hundred. No, it's, <laughs> it's more luxurious. Yeah. It's a five-star hotel. So, so it's fun, you know, five five-star living in the middle of the bush. Yeah, we have a lot of them. So, um, you know, uh, I have a friend that's from South Africa, and she speaks Afrikaans. Well, what's the difference between Afrikaans and Swahili in, in the languages? Yeah, so we can say in terms of differences, we differ into some words. That's what I can say. Uh-huh. So for example, I am from Tanzania. I can just hear some few words from people from people from Kenya and Uganda uh-huh. because they are because of the languages. So if somebody speaks, I can hear, but not much more. So yeah, sort of like English really different. Like, you know they're from yeah, Mexico, right? <laughs> or you know if they're Yeah, it's not really Europe, different, right? but yeah. Sure. Uh, there's, a de- there's a definite different difference in the, in the words and, and the language. Um, yes. So I, one, one of my chef friends, uh, she, she's a super great, she's from South Africa. And I always uh, ask her to uh, tell me how to make pancakes. Like, you know, like give me a recipe and tell me how to make pancakes in Africa. So, so tell me in Swahili or in, in your language, tell me how to make pancakes. How, how, do you, how do you make pancakes in your language? It's just so cool to hear. 
Okay, I want to hear that. <laughs> tell me, tell me how you're gonna make pancakes. You know, you're on the spot. Okay. Make okay. We say that. Nina wezaji kutengeneza so pancake. Yeah, that's the Swahili. That's it. So it's like, like how can I make those pancakes? The flour. So it's like, so yes. I would take a bowl, I would put flour in it, I would do that, eggs and all that. Tell me it in Swahili. It just sounds cool to me. I don't know. It's just fun. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay, let me start. Like, unachukua, unachukua, kwanza unawasha moto, pia unabandika sufuria, baada hapo unachanganya unga na mafuta na maji baada hapo unakaanga pia unazisubiria zikiiva unazitoa unawapa watu wale that is it so that is so cool as being a chef all these years and traveling and, and, and working with people all over the world and cooking for people all over the world I, you know i would pick it up and I, i never remember all the languages because i've been so many places that it's like it's not that i don't want to learn it it's just like there's so much in between uh, trying to do that but i know that when we share food together we always understood each other there was never a language barrier when it comes to food if i if i have a steak out there and we're grilling it i don't care if i'm in china i'm in puerto rico or i'm in tanzania we all have one thing in common we're smiling and we know that it's going to be good if i'm cooking it yes so that's the best part um when it comes to food uh if I'm in Panama and I'm fishing and we catch some uh bluefin tuna we know we're eating sushi we got the wasabi and the soy sauce we know we're having a good meal uh, so like I said language has always been uh different than all the places I've gone but it's never been a barrier for me to learn understand cultures and society and people and and yeah. truly get to know them without having to fluently understand the language but it does help to be able to ask simple uh phrases like good morning and, and being courteous and that uh whenever you travel to a destination uh for uh, my ability to help people with extreme passport the reason why I have this podcast is to help people better understand how to uh, fit in like a local uh not just be a tourist uh going to a hotel and then a tour guide takes you here and there but to really get engrossed into the environment or the destination uh to understand you John to understand uh one of your guys motions how did you grow up ask these kind of questions because it'll give you a better experience uh during your uh holiday or your uh, tour somewhere uh, and that's the reason for a street passport to hear it directly from you this is what i appreciate and i thank you for you know sharing this information uh, with uh, me so with the tour uh, that you do um you you pick up from Kilimanjaro International Airport so the tour starts there right you you don't book the airlines or anything like that uh you just go from Kilimanjaro International to do the tour back to Kilimanjaro International that's the scope of what you do with your operations yeah for for our operation first of all we have to start a conversation with a client when he or she is not reaching first to our country so after we agreed our package starts from the airport so if it's Kilimanjaro it's Kilimanjaro International Airport mm-hmm. if it's Dar es Salaam that's Dar es Salaam Mwalimu Nyerere International Airport that's Dar es Salaam 
that's our international airport we have in Tanzania. So that's how our tour started. So we pick you up from the airport with a big smile. Yeah, so after we take you from the airport, you go direct to your booked hotel. So now it depends with the package, but we always value our customers. We have the best hotels we book for our customers. So after that, if it's your package starts the day after arrival, directly we give you a brief a brief discussion about how your tour will go through. So if it's a safari, we'll tell you the safari driver also must be there. Wow. If it's a safari, the safari driver must be there. So as you hear from the safari guide, if it's if it's not clear, you say no, 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 I don't want that safari guide. We can change to. So the safari, if it's a safari, the safari guide must be there. If it's a chef, also chef must be there to talk with the clients, so that they go, they co they copy, they go, they they must have a common before the safari. So if it's a climbing, also the the mountain guide, the professional and the experienced mountain guide must be there on arrival, so that. You pick up the customers, get a conversation like to get in touch with your clients. Like these are the people I'll go through tomorrow for seven days. You must get used of them first. Also, if it's a Zanzibar, also we do that. If it's a flight, we take you from we are booked the hotel in Kilimanjaro or whether it's Dar es Salaam. We take you to to the airport. You fly directly to if it's a Zanzibar. There are people there. We have agent in Zanzibar who will pick you up. technical there but uh take a little break but that's fine uh listen uh, a lot of questions come around sometimes people aren't really sure on and this is something i hear a lot that whenever someone goes on a tour like it's on fishing charters or, or mountain trekking and these different types of things when it comes to tipping people that are you know actually doing that what what should one expect to you know make sure that they have extra to tip the guys um and what is the best way to tip the guys for me i've always found that like tipping them personally not just putting it on a credit card at the end it is more you know it does more for them it shows them appreciation for what it does and i mean i've actually had tears come out of eyes you know oh my god it's like you don't know what this means it's like puts my kids through school and and that type of thing uh whenever i tip, tip uh you know anybody that helps after a fishing charter or or um and the one we're just, you know trekking through the jungles and that type of thing how much should one expect to uh you know tip per person see you know if you each person for someone like Moshu is taking them up to uh, the Kilimanjaro. Yes. What should okay, they get for us? Okay, thank you. For Amandu's adventure, what we always perform, for example, if it's 
the clients climb the mountain for seven days. So before that, we always tell the client, tip, it's not a mandatory, but we recommend to tip our guide. But it's not mandatory. If you don't like to tip them, it's okay, since we give them salary. So for us, as Amandos Adventures, what we do, we have the limits, like for, for chief guide, for example, it's a trekking. For chief guide per day, it's $30 per day. Okay. But it's not a must. But also that's, for that's us, it's $30 a day. Yeah, $30 per day. Okay. For, for, for chief guide. Also, assistance, it's $25. For cook, $25. For potters, $15. So somebody can calculate all of them. For example, if it's $300, somebody can say, I don't have $300 on my budget. I can just give them $250. It's okay. Yeah, that's how. Okay, yeah, just so people know, because I think that those are really, that's not a question that ever anybody thinks about until they get there. And then they're like, oh, well, how much am I supposed to? So that sort of clears the air on that one. It's like, hey, you're going to take me up in a hot air balloon, you're going to show me the best time of my life. But, oh, I didn't think about tipping these guys. I really want to do it, but I don't know what would be the right amount to tip someone in this scenario because it's like, wow, this was amazing. Well, how much should I tip? I, I know I've heard people say it. I've been in a situation myself It's like, wow, you really did a great job. So, it, you know, it's dependent upon you what you want to tip that person and, and how you feel, feel about it because this is a service, that, you know, a, a service and, and a, an industry where, you know, tipping sometimes can be misunderstood in, in what you're supposed to do. And that, you know, it's not always that the people that are doing the, the tours, the, the guides and, and, and the people that are working, they're, you know, a lot of practices that they, they're not supposed to ask for tips, you know, it's the dependent. They don't want, they want the business operator, the tour operator wants the client to feel great and not feel bad. So that, that's just something that's real sensitive sometimes uh, that I've come across in, in travel and then uh, listening to other one of my friends during their travels uh, and what's appropriate uh, amount of uh, uh, tipping us uh, for different situations. So I'm glad you cleared that one up. What's your favorite yeah. food, John? What do you like? What, what's your favorite food? You want? <laughs> what do you eat? I, yeah, my favorite food is, it's, 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 let me say it in Swahili, then I'll make no, it. That's fine. Please do. Yeah, it's it is it is called wali wali maharage. That means it's rice plus beans. Rice and beans. Yes, that's the yeah. most important thing I like most. Okay, good. I think I had that last. I had rice last night. It was awesome. I love rice. <laughs> all the way from Nepal, all the way down to South Africa, rice is good. It doesn't matter where where it's from. Rice is always it's always filling. It's always comforting. It's always good. Yeah, that's, dish, that's how we like in Africa. What's a dish your mother made for you growing up that you can remember that you loved? Rice and beans? That's, it's always rice plus beans, that's the most. Rice and beans, it's the, it's the legit rice and beans plus, protein, rice and beans. Yeah, that was the most important food. If it's cooked, I don't get out of the house. 
Yeah, who, who's, who's the uh, who, who's the cook in, the cook in your family? Was it your mom, your dad, you, your aunts, your sister? You got you have sisters and brothers? Yeah, most of the time my mom used to cook, but sometimes if she's tired, yeah, we used to help her. Yeah. So break this. I know how to cook. Break this mystique for me, because my listeners are probably wondering: Do you guys all cook outside on an open fire? <laughs> It's, it's like you can just envision like what's oh, Africa so everybody's cooking over a fire in a campground somewhere like they don't have homes and they don't have furniture and the like of that so you know it's funny to me because I could still actually visualize it that way as a child like because everything you see in National Geographic you see on TV it's just wild animals a lion eats a zebra and everything is just like Rawr, you know so it's like you think that like in Africa it's like everybody just takes hunks of meat throws it over the fire to eat and then you tell me, it's like, okay, you're pretty much vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, it's for us, like, to cook. That's African culture. Like, anyone can cook, whether it's a sister, whether it's aunt, or mother, or father, anyone can cook. So it depends with the mood. So if you're not okay, maybe, for example, today, if I'm not okay, like, my sister can help me to cook. But usually, as an African culture, like a sister, or aunt, or mother, that's are the people who usually cook for most African culture. So, does anyone in your family work with you with Amanda's adventures? Do you have any family members, or are you just on your own? Yeah, currently I'm just myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but they know. But they know I am doing tourism. Okay. Maybe in future they will come if. I am more successful, maybe they will come. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell me, yes. like, what? why are you the best tour operator in Africa? What makes you the best? What makes me the best? Fast you, what makes you better than everybody else out there? First, first of all, as you I am professional myself. I'm a professional and experienced the mountain there. Yeah, I've climbed the mountain for approximately three years, so I know well my, the mountain. So it's easy for me to, to to converse with the client. Like, I want to, to climb Mount Kimanjaro via Machame. I know the Machame. I know every route. So it's easy for me to, to get converse with the client. So that's the most important thing first. Like, you're talking with the manager, who also is a professional, mountain guide, that's the most important thing. Also, the service we, we, we offer, it's really hard to say we, we offer the best services until the customer experienced it. So we always give the best at most. Also, the other thing is we are the local people, so it means we know a lot about Tanzania, we know a lot about our landscape, we know a lot about beaches, we know a lot about our game reserve, so it's easy, it's easy to... So, to anybody, <laughs> yeah, so anybody listening to my show, they're going to be, uh, they're, they're truly going to be getting an education, taking a tour with you uh, of Africa, yes. Georgia, or wherever. Um, and, and that's the most important thing. Um, I always think that travel is, a, is a, an investment in, in teaching yourself about the world. 
helping you find yourself um, and being able to better understand where you are in the world and what it's all truly about. And to get that education um, is something I think is very important for people, uh, anybody, I don't care, young, old, this, that, and the other, to be able to travel and meet new people and see destinations and, and understand cultures uh, is very important uh, to being able to uh, understand uh, other people and the value uh, that we all have and how we all share uh, this, this wonderful earth. Um, so if, if somebody's looking to book a tour with you, John, where would they go? Uh, how, how do they contact you? Your website? What's your website? Yeah, for our company, we have a website. Also, we are in different platforms, social networks, all social networks, also tourism platform. There are a lot of them. What, what's your website address? What's the website address? Okay, the website address is www.amandosadventures.com. Okay, and for my listeners, uh, and you know, you'll be able to go to uh, my podcast and blog, and I will have a, a link to uh, John and uh, Amanda's Adventures, and so you can see all the great uh, destination uh, tour packages that he has throughout Africa. Uh, you'll be able to find his Instagram, his Facebook. I have links to that and an article on him uh, on my extreme passport.live uh, where my guests are able to be found after the show and uh, you can contact them and uh, be able to book tours and understand uh, more about what it is that's required for you to experience the uh, opportunity of a lifetime to actually meet John and his crew uh, on an adventure that will definitely change your life. Is there something that you'd love to tell the world, uh, John, that they don't want to know about you or something that you'd just like to share? What You got the whole world listening. I think I'm in like 12 countries now. What, what would you like yeah. to share with the world? Yeah, something like I would like to share to the world, like John as John, first, it's not about Tourism, also, I'm an IT expert. That's the most important thing they have to know it. Yeah, I have a Bachelor of Science in Business Information and Communication Technology. So apart from tourism, also I do a bit of IT, IT issues. So I think that's the most important thing they have to know. So like they are dealing with an expert in terms of IT, also in terms of tourism. Uh, so that's if the cell phones don't work, you can help them get back to the culture in America, right? Yes, I can do it. Germany, you know, they're not going to be left in the cold not being able to get their daily news. Uh, you're, you're savvy in IT, that's good. Don't want anybody missing out on, on having a cell phone available in the middle of the Serengeti <laughs> while an antelope or a kudu is getting eaten by a lion. You might miss that one. I don't know. You got a phone call coming? I don't know. Maybe you can put it on mute. I don't know. But that, that's just like, it's funny to me. You know, cell phones are such a part of our life now on an iPad and communication. It's like, can you just put it down for a second? I want to show you something. And that's, you know, the, the mountaintop of Kilimanjaro. Just put your phone away. It'll be there. You'll get back. You're not going to miss the, the news. It's, it'll be there when you get back. Somebody will tell you. So that, that, I make a lot of humor with that because I see people today that can't walk 
from their car to where they're going into a shop without being on their phone looking at it. You can't take that much time. They come coming out of the gym to walk into their car and trip and fall because their head's buried into a phone. So these things pretty much own us at this point, but that's the way the world is. Well, John, it's been an amazing uh, experience talking to you and learning more about Tanzania and the Mendes Adventures and, and the wonderful tours that you have available in between Kilimanjaro, the Serengeti, Zanzibar, uh, air balloons, camping, lodges, luxury hotels. Um, it's just it's just amazing uh, to rice and beans being just a normal everyday food. So you know that um, you're not going to go hungry because you can't eat something exotic going to Africa because I do believe they serve rice and beans all over the world. Uh, but it's really good. Do you like spicy food? Being on the equator, uh, do you eat a lot of spicy food, John? No. No, you're not big on the spices? Yeah, I am good favorite of a, of a spice well you know you talked about the chinese spices being found there so it just i just wondered whether or not you're you know, a big spice lover and, uh, and spicy food no. well once again everyone it, you can find john and his company amanda's adventures and tanzania and kilimanjaro uh on my podcast at extremepassport.live and as I say, John, it's been a wonderful uh, time spent with you today and uh, sharing a cup of coffee with it. Myself, I don't know if you drink coffee or not, but in my coffee, because it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's afternoon, afternoon, yes, I can't afternoon for you and uh, the crack of dawn for me. So, uh, but that's what it is. It's always exciting for me because working with people all over the world, uh, from India to Japan to you and Kilimanjaro, um, I, I, you know, the interviews happen, whatever is good for you, uh, for me with the Extreme Passport. So uh, that's a luxury of being able to have uh, this wonderful, wonderful world that we live in. And it keeps me up a lot, <laughs> talking to people all over the world. Yeah, sure. But uh, anyway, it's great talking to you, John. I know I look forward to talking to you again. And uh, anybody has any questions, feel free to go to the comment section on my uh, podcast on anchor.fm and uh, send me your comments and I'll answer any questions to my team. And uh, if you have any questions you want to ask John direct, go right to his website at adventuresadventures.com and check John out. He's got a great operation there in Kilimanjaro in Tanzania and he's looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us during Passport today. Until next time. Thank you, Sam. Until you, next time. Cheers, everybody. Okay, thank you. Thank you, John.